many decades ago when Jeff and I were growing up, we had all sorts of cool toys. One of my favorites was the CNC. So the CNC was a circle kind of thing. And you'd point the arrow to an animal. It was on the outside of the circle here. And then you'd pull the string. And then as the string would wind back in, you like point the arrow at the duck or the pig or the cow. And then the machine would say, the cow says, the pig says, oink, 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 oink. and that one, I love that toy. It was, it was sort of like, like I was having a conversation with this C and say, that was like the early stages, I think of conversational learning flash forward many years later. So I've got my own kids now, my youngest kid, we had this toy. I don't even know what it was called, but it was magnetic. So we would stick it on the fridge and it had all these different letters and you'd put, and there were three different spaces and you'd put the letters in the three different blocks. And then once you put three different letters in the block, the machine would recognize that and say, that word is cat. That word is dog. He loved that thing. He would sit there all day long and play with it, which is sort of like a next advancement of conversational learning because this person, the little machines have a conversation with him. I remember one time we went to pick him up from preschool. He was like three or four years old. And we walked in and the teacher's like, oh, you got to take a look what's in there. And he was literally sitting on a stool with all the other kids sitting around him. And he was reading them a book and they, they knew he could read. And it was all because of that stupid little conversational learning, little magnetic gadget that had taught them all the words. We had no idea he could read until he did that. So it's something that was out of sight, out of mind, and he just learning how to do that. That's that's what conversational learning was. And I love seeing it. But then all of a sudden I realized that that's a great advancement. But where are things now? What is the what is the technology? What are we doing now that I'm not even aware of? If you're not aware of it, wait till you see what we are going to discover today. Welcome everybody. I'm Darren. And I'm Jeff. Welcome to the voice box. guest today is Ian Freed from Bamboo Learning. Ian, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, Jeff and Darren. This is really, uh, I loved your story, Darren. It's a great, uh, really simple and but important example of how kids can learn through conversational learning. And, but that's, and that is how we learn. That's it. And so that's, I'm dying to pick your brain and find out because Bamboo is doing some amazing stuff with conversational learning. You are the, you are the leaders in the advancement of all this stuff. So give me the rundown. Where do we stand now? What is the technology? What are some things that are going on right now that are allowing kids to learn some of this stuff? Uh, well, that's, that's probably like the biggest open-ended question in the entire history of the world. Like, where do you even go with that? But okay, let's just see where you go with that. Oh, that's great. So um, at Bamboo Learning, we have developed software that you can run on your iPad and kids use it to listen to stories and read along so they can see the text of the story with illustrations while the narrator is narrating the story. And then we stop about every paragraph or so and we'll ask questions that are based on the story they've just heard. So it might be, who are the main characters in the story? Or it might be, you know, some fact about uh, something that happened to one of the characters in the story. And the thing that we're doing that we think is really breakthrough is we understand children's full sentences or phrases when they answer the questions. And that is very difficult to do 
uh, as you get more and more books in our uh, in, in a particular application. So that's that's really our what we would call our special sauce. Understanding kids, as they say, full sentences, as random as kids are. You know, some some use full sentences that are long and some are short. Yeah, because I was going to say, as you were saying that you said, we understand kids full sentences because a lot of times a kid's full sentence is not a full sentence. It's like two words that don't even make sense. But how are you able to do that to figure out whether a kid's saying two sentences to know that's right? Or if the kid goes rambling on and on for like 20 seconds about something, is that hard? Yeah, well, it's, it, you know, it's, it's incredibly hard. Uh, you know, Jeff certainly as an expert in the industry knows this really well. And um, what we're doing at a very high level is when we bring in a new content, a, a new children's book, let's say three Billy Goats Gruff. That's one that's that we have in our library. We actually build a special voice model, a voice recognition model that kind of understands the the general story of the three Billy Goats Gruff with all the vocabulary. So the, the first little Billy Goat is the, is the smallest. And of course there's the troll under the bridge. And then the largest Billy Goat, you know, is it stomps on the bridge. And I don't want to ruin the story for anyone who hasn't heard it, but, but <laughs> there are people out there who may not know the story of the three Billy Goats. Absolutely. Um, so anyway, we are able to understand the structure of that story and all the ways that children might answer questions that we ask. So we might ask, where did the second Billy goat go after going across the bridge? And there's an answer for that. And that answer is, is very open-ended. And as, as we talked about before, uh, some children, okay, I'll give this part uh, of the story away. Um, the, the, some children might say, the second the little, little billy goat went over the bridge to the field to eat green grass. Another child might say, went across the bridge. And that's all, you know, we can handle all of those. And somebody, a, a child who's not paying attention might say, fell off the bridge into the water and we would know that that's an incorrect answer. How do you how do you break the news to a to like a six year old? Sorry, you weren't paying attention. That is the wrong answer. Are you able to do that in a nice way? Well, uh, my co-founder, actually, uh, a woman named Irina Fine, who I've known for decades, uh, has spent 30 years in education and teaching younger kids as well as uh, middle school, high school, even college students. And and she set that um, balance really early. And she said, you can't tell kids when they're five or six or even eight, no, you're wrong, eh, you know, with the big sort of siren. Um, so we actually introduce a character that's a panda and our um, direction for the, the person who narrates the panda was, we want you to be kind of that fun babysitter who's younger than the kid's parents, but, you know, still, a, a an older friend. And so the panda very gently breaks it to them. And, and there's something like, well, you didn't get it right this time, but give it another try. So very gently. Okay. So these kids aren't going to have their hearts broken that they got the answer wrong because the, the panda, the friendly panda is breaking that news. Too. Exactly. How many, how many books, am, am I assuming that this is all based on primarily books that you, the kids are reading a book and answering questions. And that's, 
primarily that's the the guts of all this, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's uh, a combination of fiction and nonfiction books. Uh, right now we have 200 and, and the, we, what we've done is identify the grade level for every book. Uh, and our students or children, we actually have a version for parents and kids to use at home and a version for schools. But the age range or the grade range is really age five through age 11 or kindergarten through fifth grade. And so each one of the 200 books, we've set a grade level that is the approximate grade level for that book. So I'm going to guess, you know, Irina will reprimand me if I'm way off, but I'm going to guess that Three Billy Goats Gruff is probably a second or third grade book. Uh, we have Treasure Island, which is I'm sure Irina will reprimand you gently in the form of a <laughs> That's, that's exactly that's not right. right, but you can try again. <laughs> um, and, you know, another book uh, that I know we have is Treasure Island, and that's more for fifth graders. Uh, Alice in Wonderland is another one. Um, and so uh, it's a combination of uh, some books that uh, are free. And so our, our free version, um, you can use as much as you want. There's only about 25 books that are free. And uh, if you'd like to get all 200, there's a monthly fee with that. Uh, but we license books from uh, Highlights. If, if you remember that magazine, Highlights for Children is the publisher. Uh, and they have quite a, a large library of books uh, that we're bringing in to, uh, to Bamboo Learning. And uh, there's another publisher we work with called Teacher Created Materials. And so what, what's nice is some of the books are nonfiction, some are fiction. Uh, we actually have a, a student in Oklahoma City where we're running a pilot. He just refused to do any fiction. So he went through, all, you know, he's, I think, in first grade and he did all the first grade nonfiction books. Then he went to the kindergarten. He blew through all those. He went to second grade. Now he's, I think, uh, finishing third grade and going to fourth grade nonfiction because he just won't read fiction. <laughs> so. Do either one of you remember SRA? Do you remember the SRA system? Oh, SRA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was SRA, wasn't it? Because like, is that the the color? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I love I love the color. So there's the different colors, and you'd work your way through, and you'd read, you'd read a little thing, and then there were questions in the back, sort of to see how well you do. And I love doing that. So this strikes me as sort of the new interactive conversational way of doing this. Because I was gonna, I loved SRA. But I'm, so I'm going to ask, do people love learning like this, the conversational stuff? What's the feedback? Yeah, it's been uh, amazing. Um, and, and it's funny. I, I loved SRA, but I will, I will admit reading was not my strong suit. And I had a number of other classmates who were amazing at it. So, you know, I was, I was doing okay. I don't remember the, the colors and what grade level it was, but, you know, I, I felt like I was doing pretty well. And there were always like three or four other students who were just like seven colors ahead of me. I mean, you know, it was, it, that was amazing. But, um, but the feedback uh, has been uh, really good. So uh, here's an anecdote from uh, a school in uh, Oklahoma City that's been using the product. Uh, the only difference, we have a, a version for students at school that's called Bamboo Learning EDU. And then the home version is just Bamboo Learning. But the feedback from the teachers, uh, they had all 21 kids in each class using Bamboo Learning all at once uh, at school with an iPad and, and headphones. 
and they could all select a different book. So they're all at different grade levels and the teacher could go around and sort of check in with each student and they get the data later. So they know if a student's struggling, they probably should go over and just check in. But most of the rest of the students were just flying through it, absolutely loving it. And um, so the, they started to see, wow, I can really scale this reading and listening comprehension through conversational learning in a way that I've never been able to do before. Uh, normally what they have to do is they might, you know, do story time and they're reading to all 21 kids and then they can ask questions, but they're only asking five or six questions total and one student is answering each time. So it doesn't really scale in the way that what we're doing can reach all 21 students. And they can also, again, be in totally different books. Uh, I have an amazing anecdote from this. So uh, the students were using it every day and uh, Irina got a call from the teacher on, I think it was day eight. And so this is first graders, this is six-year-olds. And the teacher called and said, the way I've arranged my class is I put four or five students in a, in a circle facing each other. And so one of these pods, they're called, decided to self-organize and all read the exact same book starting at the same time, separately, you know, with their headphones, with their iPads, all five of them, same book. And they finished and they finished at slightly different times, but all waited. And then at the end, they talked about the book. They talked about the questions and the answers. So five, six-year-olds self-organized yeah. into a book club, no <laughs> teacher involved. Like we were blown away. I, I, I love it. I can see, I can see them sitting around a little pod and then discussing someone leading the questions and, and going on. Right. Is, is this, this is a technology. Well, I'm, is it more, cause you mentioned both. Is this more in schools or is this more for people at home? And what are you seeing the greatest success in of those two tracks? Yeah, no, it's a great question. So um, we, a little bit of background, we started building applications uh, originally on the Amazon Alexa devices, Amazon Echo and Echo Show and things like that. And um, what we started hearing, you know, families used it. We actually also have a math version on the Alexa. Uh, what we started hearing from a lot of teachers actually is we would love to either recommend your product for families to use at home or in school, but you have to do one thing. And that is you, you have to build it for the iPad. And the reason is they, they as, as broad, broad and widespread as uh, Amazon is with that Alexa product, best case, a teacher can say maybe 30% of their students have one. Maybe it's only 10 or 15%. Whereas a lot of the schools insist on iPads for the kids, particularly kindergarten through second grade. So when we built for the iPad, we only released the product uh, for consumers in December and for schools in January. So it's only three months old. Wow. And yeah, so the, the feedback has been kind of, you know, schools are, are getting really excited about it. We just found out from uh, a, a school district in the Northeast, uh, they're gonna standardize on our product across the district for their kindergarten through fifth grade students. Uh, probably sometime late summer in preparation for uh, the new school year. 
So every student in that district uh, will be using our product for reading and listening comprehension. So that's incredibly exciting. Yeah. But we think what, what's great is if school districts do that, for those students, it's terrific. But we can go and tell any parent the exact same thing they're doing in these school districts. You can have it home literally right now. Just download it. So, you know, it's early, but we think it's both. I, I love what's happening. I had no idea it was that young that, that you're seeing this kind of great results and it's only like three three months old or whatever let, let pay, help me see the picture here though so i've got 21 kids who all have an ipad and they're all doing this and they've got headphones on but are they all talking to the ipad when they're answering questions and is that a problem when you have 21 kids all talking to their individual devices as is, is you know is are the different iPads overhearing other people or how does that work? Is that not an issue at all? Yeah, actually, we were a little bit worried about it because when, you know, going back a few years, uh, most of the use we had was at home and you could sort of count on, you know, even siblings taking turns and things like that. Um, so when we first did this pilot in Oklahoma City, we were worried about that all the kids next to each other, is this going to work? We're also worried about things like bandwidth and stuff like that. And it turned out to not be a problem at all, which was surprising. Now, some of the students of the 42 have, um, have microphone headphones with microphones built in, but I think about 15 did not. So they just had the headphones sort of the old school without the microphone. So they're just talking to an open mic on their iPad and it still worked great. So that was, um, I think it's kind of based on some of the work that we did and as well as some of the underlying capabilities that, uh, that we get through the, we're actually, we built it on top of a system that Amazon Web Services provides. I, I love everything you're doing, but I'm guessing as you're going through this, you're thinking, oh, we, we're, 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 you know, we're just scratching the, the tip of the iceberg here. We're, there's so much more that we can do. If we could give you a genie in a box, because it's the voice box. So you're going to rub the box, the genie pops out, and we'll grant you any kind of technology wish that you want in speech, voice, any of that kind of stuff. What's, what's the one wish that you would wish for? Like, oh, if we could just do this, it would make it much more amazing. Did anything pop into mind when we're, when we're at getting your genie in a box wish? Yeah, well, I, I think uh, if I thought for a long time about it, I'd probably come up with seven wishes or, you know, maybe the genie would only allow me three, but I, but I do have one. Um, and that one, I think we probably there like technology exists in the world to make this happen, but probably not in one place. What if we could take all of our content and all of our questions and answers and convert it, let's say into Spanish or Mandarin, essentially by pressing a button and the narration still might have to be redone. You know, the, the, we have sort of two parts to what we're doing. When we, um, when we offer um, kind of praise and things like that, the narrator, uh, our panda um, says that, and we probably wanna re-narrate that, let's say in Spanish or Mandarin, but all the, all the questions and the, you know, you didn't quite get that. And a few, few of the other kind of speech parts could all be automatically converted, I think, into Spanish or Mandarin or any other language. 
And, and then the recognition side is way harder. That's, you know, taking all the different voice recognition stuff that we've built for each individual story in English and taking that and moving that to another language. That, that part is pretty challenging. Um, it's probably doable, but it would take, I think, a bunch of smart um, scientists and engineers, probably all of whom Jeff already knows, uh, who could go who could go do that for us. Uh, Ian, so I I, I want to make sure I understand that. Are you are you saying you want to be able to sell your product in Latin America in Spanish? Or are you saying you'd use this as a language learning tool, you know, in like here in the U.S. for uh, U.S. students to learn Spanish or Mandarin or whatever? Yeah, no, I I, I was thinking that so. Right now today, uh, you know, we mostly had sort of a U.S. focused conversation, but the both of our apps are available in over 170 countries, but it's all in English. So I was thinking, you know, wouldn't it be cool if we offered it in Spanish, let's say in Latin America or for that matter, in the U.S. for bilingual students who would like to listen to stories in Spanish or obviously, you know, if it was Mandarin. It might be for the Chinese market or other parts of Asia where Chinese um, is spoken, you know, by large communities uh, really throughout Asia. So, um, so yeah, the magic button is make it work. And, you know, we just type in a new language and boom, out spits all the capability to do it, let's say in Spanish for Latin America, I guess, you know, German for, for Central Europe, et cetera, et cetera. Arabic for the Middle East, you know, all those things. Thank, thank, thanks for ignoring France and the Netherlands and uh, all those other countries there in Central Europe. Um, no, Ian, I was just, I was going to just going to say, so if people want this, it is available right now. They go to their app store. And, and if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, there is a limited amount that you can get for free and they just find the app for Bamboo Learning. Is that it? That's right. They just go to the uh, Apple app store, type in Bamboo Learning and uh, they'll see, see that version. It's free for the 25 books. And then uh, there, you can always do the free trial to try out the paid version. Uh, and that's just a monthly fee. I think it's $3.99 a month to get all 200 books. The, you know, our goal by the end of the year is to have 2,000. So we're wow. constantly adding more books. Uh, and uh, it's, it's a journey I've been on uh, in the past. I, Jeff, probably remembers this. I used to run uh, the business team on the, at Amazon for the Amazon Kindle. And uh, when we first launched with the Amazon Kindle, um, I think it was uh, right around 100,000 books. Uh, today, I think there's tens of millions of Kindle books. So, so I kind of know how to take the team and start adding books at a much faster rate, uh, make sure that the publishers are on board with what we're doing. But you know, so far, the publishers have been wildly enthusiastic, and uh, I think that bodes well for uh, for the increasing the content, not just this year, but for many years to come. Ian, you, you've described this as a, a an app focused on learning reading. We talked a little bit about other languages where it could be used for language learning, maybe for uh, bilingual kids. And you mentioned how on your uh, your uh, echo based uh, initial approach, you were doing math. But it seems like this would be great. It would be a, a very um, small step to go from reading to like history, right? Now you're reading history books and the questions are not just about comprehension, but about 
you know, do you understand the, the significance of this and, and so forth? And, and then maybe science and, and, uh, and, and whatnot after that. So I'm wondering what, uh, how you see the future in terms of expanding your scope beyond uh, just reading to other subjects in school? Yeah, no, that's a, it's a great question, Jeff. So, um, so we actually, uh, going back to the echo, we had uh, multi, many different products. One was math, one was actually English language arts. And so that one is, is actually the closest to reading. Uh, so things like phonics, spelling, grammar, and vocabulary, uh, we would ask which of these is the verb in the sentence. That, you know, that's a perfect one for grammar. Um, what does this word mean? And, and in fact, actually in the Bamboo Learning for iPad, we do ask a number of vocabulary questions. But um, we even had a, a music uh, app uh, called Bamboo Music um, it was the first one we did. Um, and I guess what I would say is adding new subjects is relatively easy for us to do. Uh, and so I think in the future, we'll certainly come back and talk to you about, uh, other subjects that we offer. Um, what we found in talking to families and, and teachers and kids is the story listening to a story, reading along, and then um, being asked about the story is the most different uh, kind of capability that we have. Uh, if you think about it, you know, if you're learning parts of speech and grammar, um, you know, worksheets and other apps where you're not necessarily saying the answer work pretty well. Um, you know, Irina would argue there's value to your cognitive development to be able to answer many of those questions verbally, in addition to writing them down or in addition to um, using a touchscreen. By the way, that we didn't emphasize it, but although you can answer every single question in Bamboo Learning on the iPad using your voice, some of the questions allow you to tap also. So it's kind of up to the teachers and students and kids to figure out what they want to do. But adding more subjects. History, one that, that I'm dying to add, although we just, this one, it's really hard to think through exactly how to do it. Um, geography. And part of the reason is I think Americans in particular are really bad at geography. I think sort of Europeans have an advantage that, you know, what in this country would be a state away is a whole different country. And so I think Europeans tend to be much more attuned to other countries geography, the history and how geography and history interact. Um, so I would love to do it, but um, we just haven't figured out quite the right way to do that with voice. Uh, we're always thinking about it though. It's great. I love seeing the, the glimpse into the future that the old see and say, the cow says, ooh, is, is going away, <laughs> being replaced by Bamboo Learning, which everyone can just download right now on their, on their iPad for their kids K through five. Go do it. Go through the 25 books. If it works for you, there's a whole new library out there. Ian, thanks for giving us a glimpse into the future and letting us see what you guys are doing out there. We love seeing the future. Yeah. Thanks so much, Darren. Thanks, Jeff. We really appreciate the time. Thanks for, for dropping by. Jeff, I love hearing all that stuff. I, I mean, I love games. I love all the interactive stuff. So it was fun hearing how it's becoming more fun for kids to read in school. Now his big wish was instant easy button push translate into different languages how realistic feasible 
is something like that. I, well, I think easy button pushes is, is making it uh, a, a, a big challenge. I don't think that's going to work. Um, but it's uh, it's not that hard to to localize a speech product into another language. Um, in his case, you'd have to you know have someone read the book in the new language. You'd have to translate the questions and and the answers and support the different answers in the new language. Uh, and and you'd have to have the speech recognition for the new language. So uh, those those are all relatively simple to do. And in most cases, like the speech recognition and some of the basic building blocks already exist for, you know, a dozen languages or so uh, for, uh, well, what we have at Cobalt or he's, I think he's using uh, Amazon's uh, Lex speech service. It's it, it supports a number of languages as well. So uh, yeah, I think it would be a, 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 a modest amount of work, but um, not excessive to support a new language. So the technology is kind of there, just a little bit of work and elbow grease can make that happen. Now, I know the way your brain works. So I know what you're thinking when he, while he was going through that, because I, I was thinking as well, as some of these kids are reading, you're able to hear things in their speech. So I'm guessing that you could even hear like someone might have a, a like, a, like a, a speech therapy problem that might be able to might alert to a, a teacher. Hey, this kid has a hard time pronouncing th or this girl has a hard time pronouncing her r's or something like that so that might be something where they could get extra help ahead of the curve is there something more that could be there you read my mind it's like we've known each other for a long time like i know like when they're related or something yeah uh, especially when you're talking to children in an educational setting you uh, it seems to me like you really need to be paying attention to like the teacher would at school the teacher is going to be paying attention to how the children speak how they respond uh, they, they're going to detect speech uh, defects that might need some coaching with a speech therapist. They may detect uh, things like uh, autism or dyslexia or some other learning disabilities that children might have. It's incumbent on whoever is doing that to be able to detect these kinds of learning disabilities or conditions that uh, are going to need some follow-up attention. And maybe you'll get that because there's a teacher in the classroom listening to the student talking. Uh, to the device. But if they're doing it only at home, you may not get that. And, and it would be good for the device to also be listening for that kind of thing, to listen for what else do you learn about the student when you hear them uh, giving their answers, more than just what the, you know, did they get the right answer, but how are they speaking and what is that telling you about them? Yeah, it's, it's a device not just to teach them how to learn how to read, but a device to gather information to help the student be able to learn better in a variety of different subjects. Yeah, that's right. Cool. I love, I always love these times when we can look in the, in the future, we can see stuff that like we don't, you and I, we don't have kids who are K through five right now. So, you know, we're out of the loop on some of this stuff. So I love seeing what's out there and what's what's up to, up to date. So if anybody has kids or grandkids or nieces or nephews or brothers or sisters or whatever that K5, Bamboo Learning is what's going on. Go download it and see what uh, see what it can do for you and everybody else. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining us again on another episode of The Voice Box. I'm Darren. And I'm Jeff. We'll talk to you next time. Ah!